0: There has to be some common sense. Yes,
1: sir. They have the cars down in Tim and branch, Michael microplane. We
0: still don't know who pulled the trigger. everyone and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, a 27-year veteran of the NYPD. I want to wish everyone a happy Easter or a happy Passover, whatever holiday you celebrate today, but I hope everyone had a fantastic day and thank you so much for tuning in uh, tonight, uh, taking time away from your friends, family, and listening to this very important show we got tonight. Uh, There's a really important missing person case, and that's the picture of a search for a missing Winona, uh, Minnesota woman, and the mother of two, it's intensifying. And law enforcement gave a plea and the family offered a $50,000 reward uh, for finding Madeline Kingsbury, age 26. She was last seen in the morning hours of Friday, March 31st, after she and the father of her children returned to their residence, after dropping the kids at daycare. She's not been heard from since. On Wednesday, Winona Police Chief Tom Williams met with reporters to update the case. He laid out a timeline of what is known from the day Madeline disappeared. At 8 a.m., Madeline and her partner dropped their five-year-old daughter and two-year-old son at daycare. At 8.15 a.m., the dark blue 2014 Chrysler Town & Country minivan, Madeline drives returns to her residence. Madeline doesn't show up for work at the Mayo Clinic, something Chief Williams says is very unlike her. 10 a.m., Madeline's partner tells police he left the residence in her van, returned later in the day, and she was gone. Police say there is nothing to suggest she left on foot or in another vehicle. 10 a.m. through 1.30 p.m., investigators believe a van similar to Madeline's was seen driving on County Road 12 and Highway 43 in Winona County, and then on Highway 43 in Eastern Fillmore County. The van was later found in the driveway of Madeline's residence. Chief Williams says investigators searched both the vehicle and the residence locating Madeline's phone, jacket, wallet, and her ID. Based on all of this, we believe Maddie's disappearance is involuntary, suspicious, and we are all concerned for her safety Chief Williams told reporters. Law enforcement has searched areas near Kingsbury residents and off Highway 43 in Winona and Fillmore counties on foot, by vehicle, on water, and in the air. Many volunteers have helped as well, but so far Madeline has not been found. Law enforcement is asking residents and landowners in Norway Township, Preble Township, Northern Newburgh Township, Eastern Holt Township, and Eastern Amherst Township, to search their acreage, wooded property, outbuildings, vehicles, and trails for anything suspicious. Those with doorbell security or trail cams are urged to check their video from 8 a.m. March 31st to 4 p.m. April 1st to look for a dark minivan or anyone and anything that looks out of place. Kingsbury's older sister, Megan, thanked the community for support in these difficult days and expressed appreciation for those who have come from uh, from beyond Minnesota to help look for Maddie. She described her sister as a hardworking, dedicated mom and U of M graduate who is desperately missed. Uh, Please help us find Madeline, Megan Kingsbury pleaded. Our children need their mother. We need our daughter, sister, our aunt, and best friend back. Anyone with information has to call Winona Police at 507 457 6288 or contact Crime Stoppers Minnesota either online or by calling. 1-800-222-T-I-P-S, or 8477. Right now, I'm going to introduce my co-host. Folks, we've covered so many of these missing person cases, and we have uh, an opinion on this, and we're going to give our investigative opinion. And again, not knowing anything about the case folder or the investigation that the Winona police are conducting, but we've been through these cases before. So at this point, I'd like to introduce my co-host straight out of Brooklyn, retired NYPD detective, Phil Grimaldi. How are you doing tonight, Phil? I'm doing
2: pretty good, Billy. Happy Easter to you, to all the subs, all the fans. God bless everyone, and I hope everybody's uh, celebrating Easter and Passover. And then uh, I'm really glad that everybody that is tuning in, this is going to be a a very important case. And uh, I think that everybody should just take a minute. Thank God that they have their families around. And let's say somebody this young woman.
0: Yes. You know, the, um, the, the police don't want to say it, but it, the obvious thing in that little uh, blurb that I read there is that, uh, it, it, you know, 10 a.m., Madeline's partner tells police he left the residence in her van Returned later in the day and she was gone. Police say there's nothing to suggest she left on foot or in another vehicle. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. And the police aren't saying it, but the person that they're referring to, his name is Adam Fravel, And he is the father of Madeline's two children, I believe, ages two and five. So I I believe, uh, you know, and we... We're not letting it out of the bag. I think pretty much everyone that has followed true crime or has followed these missing person-type investigations knows that 90% of the time, maybe even higher than that, the number one suspect is the person closest to the missing. And in this case, it's her common-law husband. I say common-law because they have two children in common, and his name is Adam Fravel. He hasn't been named by... uh, by the police, but he's you know sort of surreptitiously been mentioned, but they haven't mentioned his name, but everyone in the community knows who he is, obviously, the police are looking and asked the community for help. they've asked everyone for help in the search, they've asked people to look at their ring cameras, look at their own cameras. Number one, I think Phil, that they haven't spoken about because of course they uh, look, eventually if they do start pointing the finger at Adam Fravell, he's probably going to lawyer up. But one of the biggest pieces of evidence they have right now is the van parked in her driveway that was returned to her driveway by who else, but Adam Fravell.
2: You know, Billy, uh, I wrote down like two pages of things that we were going to talk about tonight on my second page. There was a lot of notes, but the the top of the list was the van. But before I go into that, I just wanted to, you know, point out a couple of things that you went over. The police labeled this as involuntary and suspicious. That's very, very, uh, you know, telling right there. They also say they have no reason to believe that she left on foot or by other means, let's say in a vehicle. Uh, She leaves behind her cell phone, her wallet, and the jacket that she was wearing on the morning that she disappeared when she went to drop the children off. Now, as you know, Bill, as a parent, uh, a mother just doesn't decide to take, uh, you know, uh, an eight day, nine day trip without having contact with her children or her family. So it's obviously some uh, signs of foul play here. And I think that uh, this guy, Adam Fervell, obviously, uh, in investigation 101, you're going to talk to the person that winds up reporting the person missing, which would be Adam Uh, the person closest to the victim that's missing, as you pointed out, Billy, that's the person you want to talk to. Now, the first thing that I wrote down was, I want a good, hard, solid interview of that person. I want to know what his movements were. And I'm going to ask him, what was the relationship like? Was there any volatility in the relationship? Were things going along well? Now, once you expand your investigation out, you talk to friends and family, if he gives you one side of it, and says, no, everything was great, we had absolutely no issues, but yet you find out from either her social media or her friends or her family, let's say there was some type of domestic violence or some type of arguing, perhaps she even, uh, you know, made some police reports, anything like that that's uncovered is going to be crucial because now you could go back at him and say, voila, you lied to us, and we can start from there. Uh, those are things that I always thought would be very, very important in this type of a case, a good, hard, solid interview of the, uh, let's say, the, the uh, common law husband, the boyfriend, the husband, whoever it is.
0: You know, Phil, I want to show this was from Adam Favell's Facebook page. Right. And there he is sitting there with both their children. Their children's faces are blocked out. If anybody has seen Madeline since 10 a.m. Friday, please contact the Winona PD me or any of her family members. I see lots of misinformation already being posted. Maddie was at home with me from 8 to 10.30, which is when I left to do errands. When I returned an hour, hour-ish later, she was gone. Please help me find the mom to our two beautiful kids. That is very a very clumsy uh, statement. And also, if you notice, you know the police have asked the community um, for help They've asked, and thousands of people have responded to the searches of the areas that they requested up for, conspicuously missing from the press conference and from the searches. is Guess who?
2: Yeah, uh, Adam. And one other thing that was stated by the police, they mentioned that uh, the vehicle returned back to the residence after they dropped the children off. They don't know who was driving the vehicle uh, when it returned back to the location. So that's one thing that I think needs to be determined. And then he claims that he left at 10 a.m. and returned at uh, 1.30 p.m. a few hours later, and that's when she was gone. However, it seems like they're intensifying the searches in the areas that they believe the vehicle had traveled in. It was picked up on some surveillance cameras or a vehicle that appears to fit the description of that vehicle. I believe it's a 20, uh, 2014 Chrysler Town & Country. I think it was a navy blue color. So again... Uh, the police seem to be focusing on the search in that area where the vehicle traveled. That tells me something. Those two facts that they're, they're not saying that she returned to the home. He's saying that based on his statement, but they're not saying they don't know who uh, drove the vehicle back. Again, uh, we'll talk a little further about the vehicle in the home regarding search warrants.
0: Absolutely.
1: Mother Last seen more than a week ago, nearly 2,000 volunteers joining in the effort to find
3: Madeline Kingsbury Police calling her disappearance suspicious. ABC's Jacqueline Lee is here with more. Jacqueline, good morning. Janae, good morning. Officials in Minnesota are calling this an endangered missing persons case. The missing mom's family speaking to ABC News, desperate to find her alive. Police receiving hundreds of leads, but still no sign. This morning, the desperate search to find a missing Minnesota mom of two who disappeared eight days ago. Please help us find Madeline. The children need their mother. Winona police officials say 26-year-old Madeline Maddie Kingsbury's disappearance is suspicious and they are worried for her safety.
1: Our department and our law enforcement partners are working relentlessly to find Maddie and determine the circumstances surrounding her disappearance.
3: Nearly 2000 volunteers showed up on Friday to help police conduct a massive ground search. Officials pleading with residents to search their properties for signs of the 26 year old.
1: Walk your acreage, check your outbuildings, check your vehicles, walk trails, check your cameras for any indications of anything suspicious.
3: According to police, Maddie was last seen at home last Friday at approximately 815 in the morning after dropping her two children off with their father at daycare. The father told police he left Maddie's house at about 10 a.m. in her dark blue Chrysler minivan. When he returned later that day, he says she was not home. A minivan resembling hers was seen that same morning driving along a nearby county road between 1030 a.m. and 1 30 p.m. Investigators have searched the minivan and Maddie's home. Inside the house, they found her phone and her wallet. I just was trying not to panic. Maddie's sister, Megan, last texted her that morning and everything seemed fine. The family now offering a $50,000 reward for information on her whereabouts. We love her and we could figure out anything and get through anything together and um,
4: we want her back. And uh, we're not, we're not going to stop.
3: And police say they don't have any suspects and there's no indication that Maddie left her house on foot or in another car. The police chief declined to say whether the father is participating in the search and would not comment if he's cooperating with authorities. Gio.
0: Jacqueline, let's hope they find. So folks, um, obviously uh, the police, they weren't born yesterday. They know what time it is. They know who the number one suspect is. How clumsy is it that he is driving her van, returns without her, and she's not home, but he's the last person to see her. Now, the police aren't going to jump right at him right away. They're going to try to get evidence. That's what they're trying to uh, accomplish right now, is they're going to try to... One of the biggest pieces of evidence is the van and the computer in the van. If it's a late model van there's a potential that it has GPS within the van system in the computer, and they can tell uh, forensically if someone examine it, where the van has been, where it stopped and started, if it stopped in one location longer than another place. And then they, they marry that up to uh, Adam Fravel's cell phone. I don't even know at this point, we don't know the case folder, we don't know the information they have. They, they should get a search warrant for his cell phone, absolutely. But all of those things that they do is go- well. He's gonna know whether he's he always already knows he's a suspect. I believe that they maybe they just haven't pulled the trigger and let him know. But he's got to know that he's a suspect and all the rest of that stuff like the picture that he posted on his Facebook. That's that's just a smokescreen. You know, that's just a smokescreen. He knows what's going on. He knows what time it is. He's a smart guy. Uh, I believe he works in tech. He's no dummy. But you know something. The police are waiting to build the case. And right now, they don't have enough. To Maybe they don't even have enough probable cause to make an arrest right now. So they will want to let him keep doing what he's doing. And they're going to build the case. And at some point, they're going to say hello to him.
2: You know, Billy, uh, interviews of the people at the daycare to see if it was actually uh, if she was present when the children were dropped off. We don't know if that's even... Uh, a fact at this point. Um, again, like you said, uh, she doesn't leave the house without her cell phone, without her identification, without her jacket, uh, just falls off the face of the earth. It, it sounds very, very flimsy to me. And I think that uh, they're going to catch him in a couple of lies, like you said. Uh, a reinterview has probably already occurred. Uh again, some of the you, you, great minds think alike. A lot of the things that you're talking about, I wrote down as well. His cell phone is going to be key. The vehicle's computer is going to tell speeds that the vehicle was traveling at different times, what starts and stops, how long they were. So that's going to give a little bit of a roadmap as to where the vehicle traveled, uh, how far it traveled, what speeds it was going. Perhaps uh, it could give an indication for them to search that area. Maybe that's how they came up with the location. I believe the search area was like, 120,000 acres. There was as many as 2,600 volunteers over the last couple of days. They were using drones. They were using ATVs, horses, uh, people on foot. Uh, so they're making an effort. However, they did say that they were going to scale back the search based on new leads that would be coming in and then they would refocus their uh, and intensify the search. So again, uh, there's so many things here that they're, they're going to be looking at. They may have already been done the video footage, the traffic cameras. Uh, it does look like a bit of a rural area in that area where there's a lot to be searched. So again, they're making the appeal to uh, anybody in the area, search your property, keep your uh, video footage from the 31st of March through uh, 1st of April. Uh, again, I think that they're going to be able to figure out the movements of this Adam Favelle, Uh And I think they're going to be able to figure out the movements of the vehicle and perhaps uh, they can come up with uh, a better search area.
0: You know, we've seen these cases before, and of course, from a police perspective, one of the first things you're going to do is going to see how many, if, if, in fact, Madeline has made any complaints against Adam. Was there domestic violence in this relationship? From what I understand, they weren't living together, but that doesn't mean anything because they have two children in common, so they have to deal with each other. So, are talking was,
2: victimology, Bill, victimology. Victimology,
0: that's absolutely right. Is. Was there a social worker perhaps assigned to this family? because of the maybe uh, potential domestic violence in this case. Was there any family court cases involved? You know, to be family, you don't have to be specifically married. You could have a child in common. And so we we don't know all of that, but the the Winona police do know that. What have people in in the family, in Winona's family, her sister Megan, I'm going to play a little bit of the press conference. Her sister Megan uh, apparently speaks to her or would speak to her every morning on the cell phone or via text. They were very, very close. And that's why it's unusual in this community. 2,000 people assisted in the search. What does that tell you about this? I don't believe this is a kidnapping. I believe, again, most of these cases, you just look right inside the house. And that's the person closest the victim is is the number one suspect. And I don't think in this case it's any different. Let me play a little bit. Bill, can
2: I just make a comment about the victimology part of it? You know, in today's day and age with social media, people generally put their lives out there on social media. So perhaps if they look into her social media, that might give a little bit of uh, a profile of the relationship perhaps she could have posted things that might indicate there was uh trouble in paradise so to speak or some type of a, a conflict going on between her and adam again all of those things a deep dive into her social media her computer his social media his cell phone computer all of those things are going to be very key to the investigation
0: 100 percent. folks are asking whether or not they need a search warrant to process the van the answer is yes even though the 100%. van belongs um uh, to Mantle and they would still, you know, he could he claim ownership or that he pays, you know, so they wouldn't take a chance with that. They would get a search warrant to forensically process that van, both for potential blood evidence. Uh, right. uh, well, he already said he was inside the van, but uh, signs of any foul play inside the van, and also to forensically process it uh, for the computer, the van's computer, to see. Sure potentially where it was. Let me play a little bit of this. Press
2: Bill, card. one other thing quick. The uh, vehicle, uh, if the vehicle's registered in her name, she's the owner, she's missing. She can't give consent to search the vehicle. That is 100% why they would need a search warrant to go through that vehicle. And I think that that 100% should be done. There could be possible, you know, uh, we don't want to lean in this direction, but listen, we got to face reality. Could be forensic evidence, blood evidence, things of that nature. So again, they will get a search warrant to do that. And I think the same thing should be done at the home.
0: 100%. We will have time for some
3: questions at the end of the news conference. But as always, I need to remind you, this is a very active investigation. And as such, we are
4: limited with what information we can share today. So with that said, I'd like to bring up the Chief.
1: Thank you all for being here today. I'm Winona Police Chief Tom Williams. Today's large volunteer search happened because we heard from people in Winona, our surrounding neighbors and across the state of Minnesota that they wanted to help. We are so thankful for the outpouring of support for Maddie and her family. We're having volunteers meet at two locations and from there fan out to search multiple areas. This is tough terrain. And we are grateful to the hundreds of volunteers who are taking their personal time to assist with the search. As to the investigation, I can only say that it remains very active. Our department and our law enforcement partners are working relentlessly to find Maddie and determine the circumstances surrounding her disappearance. We continue to ask people living in Fillmore, Houston and Winona counties, walk your property. If you haven't done so already, look for signs of anything suspicious a disturbance, or anything out of place. We are continuing to ask people in these areas to check their cameras and please save the video. And if you have any information that can lead us to Maddie or the circumstances surrounding her disappearance, please call Crime Stoppers Minnesota at 1-800-222-TIPS. Again, Crime Stoppers, Minnesota at 1-800-222-TIPS, or the Winona Police Department at 507-457-6288. We remain very hopeful that we will bring Maddie back home to her family. I'll now ask uh, Sheriff John DeGeorge from Fillmore County to step up.
0: Folks, I'm not going to play the a whole press conference. You you, you get the idea. A huge search is, but again, tomorrow is ten days. Tomorrow is ten days since Madeline went missing. There's a fifty thousand dollar reward. If someone knows something, they're going to come forward for fifty thousand dollars. Believe me. But this investigation is probably in high speed towards a potential suspect, who probably is is Adam you know, Adam Fravel, And the the chief here is not saying that because he doesn't want to give up their hand, even though everyone knows it, you know, everyone, you know, people aren't dumb. Look, we've seen the Maya Malete case where her husband is uh, shortly probably going to go on trial for that murder. The Dulos case. There's been other cases, even in between every, we get these cases all the time, you know, and we, as well as the public and you, and the, uh, the crime, uh, the crime fighting officers and people that want to watch these real crime shows, we understand that they can't give this information out. And we understand that they're keeping everything close to the vest for a very, very good reason. Phil.
2: Yes, absolutely. Billy, you know, again, uh, to me, in my opinion, uh, you're one million percent in the right direction, Billy. Uh, everything seems to be, now I don't have access to the case folder, but I think if you took my notes and your notes and you compared them, they'd probably be identical. We're both going in the same direction with our investigative experience. So I think that Adam has a lot of questions to answer. Is he directly responsible? It appears that he's going to know more than he's saying what regards to, uh, you know, what happened, how she uh, disappeared. So again, uh, it's either him Or him and someone else, I think he definitely will have information with regards to her whereabouts. And uh, it's just going to be a matter of time, as we say, the noose will tighten. Because uh, all the things that we discussed, uh, you know, with regard to the victimology, the cell phone technology, the vehicle, they're going to be able to put all of these things together. They're going to come up with, perhaps if he had his cell phone on him, that's going to give another exact map location of the areas that he traveled on that morning. Again, that could help intensify searches. And, um, you know, sooner or later, uh, he's going to have to answer some hard questions. Again, like you said earlier on perhaps he'll lawyer up, but I think that, uh, you know, these cases uh, as difficult as they seem, uh, as as simple as they sometimes turn out to be with regard to solving the, uh, the homicide, if it turns out to be one.
0: 100%. Yeah. And you know something, uh, uh, when the police ask for the public's help, there are those out there that think that that is bumbling. That is the smartest thing they can possibly do. And we've said it a million times and duty Ron, who's our buddy, and has crime time with duty around a set of a million times, the press can be your biggest ally or your biggest enemy. And in a case like this, getting her face out there, getting the information out there, asking asking the uh, the public for help, getting the public to help in this search. What if even someone from the public heard something that no one else has heard, and they let the police know that? All of those things can help tremendously in an investigation. And that's why the police ask. They ask the public for help because it it really, the information and the tips that they get from the public. You know, we can just compare the, you know, the Idaho 4 case and how much information that the police got from the public. Most of it, yeah, was garbage, but probably a good percentage of it was good, was right on. And the public can help you. And in a case like this, it's so sad because the longer that the person is missing, the less hope that we that we have in law enforcement and the real crime community that she's going to be found alive.
2: I think the Winona Police Department is doing a fantastic job at this point as regards to messaging. What I mean by that is they put out pictures of the vehicle. They put out the picture of the person that's missing. Uh, They've given a pretty good timeline with regard to when they think that she went missing. And they're now asking for people in the area to save the video footage uh, from the video cameras. They gave a specific period of time, the 31st of March to the 1st of April. Uh, All of those things is exactly what I would be asking for and looking to do uh, if I was intimately involved in this investigation. Um, You know, uh, there's probably some other stuff going on that uh, may have developed as a result of the investigation that we don't know about. Perhaps there are better leads in this case as to regards uh, what her whereabouts are at this time. But uh, with all of those things said, uh, we don't know if there was anything recovered from within the vehicle. We don't know if there was anything recovered uh, regarding foul play from the home. And again, interviews of the friends, the family, and the daycare uh, location, very, very, very important.
0: Absolutely. Folks, this is police off the cuff, real crime stories. If you like real crime stories from a police perspective, then you're in the right place. We give our we use our experience as NYPD investigators. Myself, I was a sergeant for 16 years in the detective bureau, culminating with 10 years Manhattan North Homicide Squad. Phil Grimaldi was a detective for practically his, you know, I'd say 15 or 16 years of his 22 year career. So we have a a keen investigative sense and experience in what is done in cases like this. So if you're not subscribed to us, go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and hit that like button. And if you want to contribute to this channel, we have a Patreon with three different levels. And we also have a YouTube channel membership, and you can see the folks in the green font, five different levels. And they contribute. They help police off the cuff real crime stories stay on the air and keep us going and keep us doing a great show like this. I'm gonna play a little bit of the sister of press conference with, uh, I believe this is Megan uh, Kingsbury, and she's she's gonna to talk talk to you about her missing sister.
4: I'm not a public speaker, so uh, appreciate your patience with me. Um, Thank you all for coming. Um, My family and I um, really appreciate all of the attention and wanting to help. Um, I'm Megan Kingsbury. I'm Maddie's older sister. Um, Speaking on behalf of my entire family, those of us in town, out of town, out of state, um, including my older brother, Stephen, wasn't able to make it here at the moment. He's overseas on deployment. He's currently en route from Romania to be here. Um, As it's been said, um, we all know and I know everyone wants um, details about the investigation and what's been discovered. I'm not talking about that right now. Um, And uh, to be honest, I don't know everything either. Um, I'm here to talk about Madeline and her children. Madeline is uh, many things. She's a mother, sister, daughter, best friend, granddaughter, and a niece. It's a long list. She's a young mother of two five-year-old Eliana, two-year-old Noah. Ellie is spunky and goofy, and she loves to be crafty and creative. She's inherited her mother's kindness and curiosity.
0: Well, folks, you can see that the family uh, is heartbroken, uh, that the fact that they put up $50,000 just shows how much they want to, they want this case to be solved. They want to go, they're willing to put everything out on the line there. And I bet you, you know, the family knows a lot of things that, you know, they've spoken to investigators. They know a lot of things about the relationship between uh, Madeline and Adam. and. Again, we're not uh, throwing out anything that is, like, unknown to people. Everyone knows that follows true crime or real crime that in these situations, they must look at the closest person to the person that's missing. And, you know, they they come out with the fact that um, her disappearance is involuntary and suspicious. So what does that tell you? Uh, And, you know, to me... The fact that the baby daddy, as we could call him, returns with the van that was seen driving around and have I have no idea what happened to my wife. I mean, that in itself is uh, is extremely suspicious. Phil,
2: Billy, you're bringing up a great point. Uh, The sister Megan said in another interview that she texted with uh, Madeline just before the time period that uh, she was last seen which was about 8.15 on the morning of the 31st. And she said that they texted, they were in touch constantly. Now, here's another thing that I found uh, a little bit of a red uh, red flag or suspicious, I guess you could say. She didn't hear from her the whole day on the 31st, but in the evening she hears from the mom that says, you know, I sent Maddie some texts. I didn't hear back. Have you heard from her? That's when they now make contact with uh, the baby daddy, uh, Adam, uh, Adam Favell, I believe his name is. And uh, again, I would think that if she was missing from early in the afternoon, he claims at one thirty he knew she was missing. He sees that her jacket, the keys, the phone, uh, obviously very suspicious that she's gone. She's not around. He should have contacted the family and said, have you heard from her? That would be uh, the first thing you would do. And I think that uh, the sister and the family is going to have intimate knowledge with regard to the relationship that was taking place between uh, Madeline and Adam because she t- says in in, uh, in several interviews that they spoke regularly several times a day. They would text. They were actually goofing around earlier on that day right before the time period that she was missing about some photo I guess they either saw on Instagram or one of these social media sites. It was a goofy photo, photo and they were kidding around about it. So again, uh, I think it would be very, very odd that she wouldn't discuss what her relationship with Adam was like, or what was just generally going on in her life. She had two young, beautiful children. I'm sure they talked about the kids and stuff like that. So I think if there was some type of uh, a volatile situation going on in the home, I think the family is gonna know about it.
0: Absolutely, and also uh, Madeline is a very smart person. She's a researcher yes. for the for the Mayo, Mayo clinic. clinic. So a very right. educated person, and that's another thing when we talk about victimology, which is the study of the victim. Besides talking to the family, we want to talk to the people that she worked with. Sure. Did did her baby daddy ever come to her workplace? Did he ever threaten her at her workplace? Did he ever come to wherever where she socializes? All of these things. How about calls? So her cell phone. Was he calling her? Was he texting her? And we mentioned before, computers of both, laptops, uh, standalone computers at home, both for Madeline and for Adam. We wanna see all of those things, all of the electronic information. I would also visit um, Adam's workplace and talk to as many people as I can, see what he's all about, you know? And I'm sure the police are doing this. We're not reinventing the wheel. And I'm sure the Winona police know how to conduct an investigation. But we're just trying to uh, educate you guys as to where this investigation is undoubtedly heading. And let's hope that the Winona police have enough help from other police departments, Uh, maybe even bring in the FBI in this case, if it's warranted. But I know they have some help from some other police departments in, in the vicinity of this area. Look, it's touching to see, and I know this is a big Amish area. It's t- touching to see that 2,000 people responded to search for this woman. That's very touching. I don't think that could happen in any com- every community. I-, I definitely know it wouldn't happen in every community, but it's happening in this community. So that's touching, and it's really nice to see that people care enough to go and spend their own time in this search. And, folks, again, the Winona Police, you can contact them at 507-457-6288. Or contact Crime Stoppers Minnesota, either online or by calling 1-800-222-TIPS. So that's how you can get a hold of them. And believe it, tips that they want to, tips. They want to be directed. Maybe someone saw something. Uh, you know, it's the old expression in New York City. After nine one one. it was uh, invented. If you see something, say, say something. something. Yeah. yeah. And that that goes for anyone. Kim M2, thank you for the 149 Super Sticker. Folks, thank you for all your contributions to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. Phil, what, where did we go from here? Where is the Winona Police going to go from here?
2: Well, you brought up something that I want to touch on. Uh, specifically, you talked about her workplace environment. Now, I just saw something on the news about a week ago. It was on a show, and they talked about a workplace wife or husband about how the uh, partner would be jealous of that. When you think about it, you spend 40, 50, 60 hours a week at work in some cases, and you become intimate with people. I don't mean intimate where you're going to be sexually intimate. You might be intimate. You'll share different aspects of your life. You do develop a relationship. You know how it is, Bill, when you are in a radio call with your partner, that person, when you are in a radio call, when you strap on a gun in a, a, a uniform, they could be the, the person that saves your life. So it's very, very uh, intimate at times. You share things. So I think that that's going to be a great investigative tool to go speak to the people that she worked with and perhaps uh, go to the workplace of Adam and find out what his, uh, you know, what his work habits were, who he spoke to at work. A lot of times people, when you're in work, like I said, you're spending all those hours every week with a person that's your partner or whatever it is, uh, someone in the office And it actually develops a relationship that they refer to now as a workplace husband, workplace wife. So, again, uh, those people may have some very uh, good information with regard to what was going on
0: in uh, Madeline's life. Absolutely. Let me play a little bit of this.
3: Search to find a missing Minnesota mom of two who disappeared eight days ago. Please help us
4: find Madeline. The children need their mother.
3: Winona police officials say 26-year-old Madeline Maddie Kingsbury's disappearance is suspicious, and they are worried for her safety.
1: Our department and our law enforcement partners are working relentlessly to find Maddie, and determine the circumstances surrounding her disappearance.
3: Nearly 2000 volunteers showed up on Friday to help police conduct a massive ground search. Officials pleading with residents to search their properties for signs of the 26 year old.
1: Walk your acreage, check your outbuildings, check your vehicles, walk trails, check your cameras for any indications. Of anything suspicious?
3: According to police, Maddie was last seen at home last Friday at approximately 8 15 in the morning after dropping her two children off with their father at daycare. The father told police he left Maddie's house at about 10 a.m. in her dark blue Chrysler minivan. When he returned later that day, he says she was not home. A minivan resembling hers was seen that same morning driving along a nearby county road between 10 30 A and 1.30 p.m. Investigators have searched the minivan and Maddie's home. Inside the house, they found her phone and her wallet. I just was.
0: That's her sister talking about how she was just talking on the phone with uh, Madeline earlier before they dropped off their children at the daycare. And uh, she was just uh,
3: trying not to panic. uh, My sister Megan last texted her that morning and everything seemed fine. The family now offering a $50,000 reward for information on her whereabouts.
4: We love her and we could figure out anything and get through anything together. And um, we want her back and uh, we're not, we're not going to stop.
0: Watch So it's heartbreaking, but exactly that. No one is leaving this day and age. No one is leaving their house without their wallet and their cell phone. I mean, sometimes I'll walk to my car and be like, oh, I left my phone. And I won't think about going anywhere, which, you know, it's part of being part of the 21st century of always having that crazy connection to your cell phone. And I say it is crazy. It is a little bit crazy that we're so, um, you know, just devoted to our cell phone. It's even if we don't have it. We feel like we're lost or we're not plugged into the outside world. So think of a a mother of two that's working full time. She wants to have that phone with her at all times because, you know, she has two children and she wants to know how they're doing. She may even check in on them a couple of times a day at the daycare they're at. Billy
2: I'll be late for an appointment and uh, forget my cell phone I'll be you know maybe a mile away from my home I turn right around and I come back not only for the fact to stay connected but I use my cell phone for navigation purposes I listen to music through it so again it's it's really like you said it's part of you very unusual that she would leave that behind along with her keys her identification her wallet so there's obviously Uh, it's been leaving involuntarily, involuntary and suspicious for a reason. I think that's some of the reason, um, perhaps there's other things that they're not reporting publicly. It seems like something is being held back when you hear the way the police chief talks, uh, William, what's his name? Uh, William, uh, Williams, uh, chief Williams. I have it written down here someplace. Oh, police chief, Tom Williams, when he writes it down and by the way, Billy, I counted the hash hash marks on his arm. He's got 12 hash marks. I can't beat it. He's got 60 years in law enforcement. I know in our job, it was every hash mark was five years, and I counted yes. them 12. He's got a lot of time, apparently, but I don't think it's 60 years. But no, anyway, can't. getting back to it, it, from if you kind of read between the lines a little bit, uh, the posture of what they're saying, it seems like they might be holding back something. Again, the statements that the sister has made, uh, it seems that way too. The posts that they put online, um, they don't want to talk about, you know, theories or things that are being reported. They just want to talk about finding the system, which I get. I agree with it 100%. And the fact that they put out a reward 150% on that, you want it to start to generate some leads. Uh, maybe somebody saw something, this vehicle, uh, you know, it, it's not like an unusual vehicle, but you know, you, you can, uh, they showed a picture of it. You can relate to it. Perhaps maybe that'll uh, trigger somebody's memory that they saw something Saw the vehicle in a location, maybe perhaps coming out of the woods or something of that nature. so again, all of the things that I think that should be done are being done. I really have to applaud uh, the law enforcement at this point, point. and again, Billy, you stated perhaps they might need some help from let's say the state police or the FBI, and if they do, those agencies are obviously right there and, and willing to help.
0: Sweet Caroline, where are her children? Are they safe somewhere? Absolutely. She has a loving family. You saw her sister. The family's put up $50,000. I'm sure they, the family, the immediate family on her side took her children. They're taking care of them. They have resources. They're a good family. So I wouldn't worry about the children other than the fact that, of course, they're going to miss their mother, you know. And the longer that these things go, the less likely there's going to be a happy ending. And unfortunately, so you could say today's 10 days or tomorrow's 10 days, She first went missing on on March 31st. Tomorrow's the 10th, so you could say that could be the 11th day. So, look, one of the things about these cases, too, nothing happens quickly in these cases. People think that law enforcement can press that easy button and just get things done. Things take time. Warrants, search warrants take time to get. Someone has to swear to them. A judge has to write the search warrant a, excuse me, not righty, he has to prove the district attorney has to write to search warrant, has to be approved. It has to, the T's have to be crossed and the I's dotted, all right? The investigative minds have to be put together. I mean, some of the the, the most important things in this investigation, again, we always talk about the scientific evidence and that's going to be, look, her cell phone, we're going to still go through it because there could be a treasure trove of evidence prior to her going missing via text messages. Where was she on other times? Had she run into Adam before? When folks are also saying, if it's not the baby's daddy, then who? Well, look, the police know who. Then the police are concentrating their efforts on where the evidence is leading them. All right. So if someone thinks some boogeyman came out of the woods and kidnapped her, it doesn't look like that in this case. Does that happen? Does a stranger do things like this? Yes, but does it look like that in this case? With me not privy, again, to the case folder, the the police information on this case, I can't 100% say no. But to me, this looks like, and I've seen it hundreds of times before, this looks like the closest person to her is the person they should be concentrating on. Bill.
2: hundred percent, Billy. I'm glad you brought up the uh, the time factor with these cases. Now, I just want to touch on one of the things that you brought up, a search warrant. Just because you say, well, let's get a search warrant. Like you said, the district attorney or the prosecutor's office has to write it up. The judge reviews it. I've had search warrants turned by, down by judges for such silly things sometimes that we believe are silly, but the judge has to put their name on it. You know, a search warrant is, you're, you're actually going to, take someone's rights away and you're going to do a search. So again, it has to be exact. You have to have enough probable cause to get that search warrant uh, for the judge to sign it. You know, you have to have good reason. So these things, like you said, Billy, they do take time. Uh, I'm glad that they're doing those searches. That's going to be very, very helpful. And again, areas that were searched, uh, when they narrow it down, they can, you know, maybe uh, focus a little bit more intensified on where they think that the, uh, you know, the search should be. And uh, all of the different things with the cell phone technology, you don't snap your fingers, pick up a phone and give me the information. It don't work like that. You have to get a subpoena. You have to get a hold of the company. They have to search through the records, get it, have a person that's expert on the information, the technology to give it to you. And like I said, like you said, Bill, these things don't take uh, minutes. They take days and sometimes weeks.
0: Absolutely. You know, to me, one of the, in the timeline that was put out by um, by the police. One of the biggest things that I get in this timeline is um, 10 a.m. through 1:30 p.m. investigators believe a van similar in quotation marks to Madeline's was seen driving on County Road 12 and Highway 43 in Winona County, and then on Highway 43 in eastern Fillmore County. The van was later found in the driveway of her residence. However, Didn't Adam admit that he drove it and put it back in the driveway? Isn't that what he admitted to? So where, you know, where is the suspicion then? And, you know, we don't know at what level of interview they did with Adam. Was it just a friendly interview, seeing that maybe he was being evasive and they didn't want to push too hard because they were afraid that he would lawyer up and they were going to wait till maybe perhaps... They got more information so they could bring him back in. I don't know. I don't know the answers to that. But I've been there, and I know that that's that's the thought process of the police when they're investigating something like this. You know, we don't want to push too hard. Let's keep him here. Let's keep him friendly. Let's keep him giving information. But as I stated earlier, it speaks volumes to the fact that he wasn't at the press conference with the rest of the family. Right, he wasn't do. He was on the searches with the other two thousand people. Am I wrong? Was it, there were people at these searches? Did anyone see Adam Fravel at those searches?
4: All Absolutely those
0: things, not. All those things speak volumes.
2: Absolutely, Billy. Uh, listen, uh, you are just right on track with my thinking. Like I said, it was the first thing that I wrote down. Solid interview of boyfriend, father of the kids, and what I mean by that is I'm going to put him in a room and I'm going to start talking to him. Tell me what happened. Let him go through the whole story. I want him to tell me everything that he knows about it. Now, when I start to ask questions, perhaps he's going to push back a little bit. Uh, you know, are you looking at me? Well, listen, no, we're not looking at you. Our general belief on these type of cases is the person that's reporting the person missing or the person closest to it has the most information, and we're going to either include or exclude you from the investigation. So if you have nothing to hide, you're telling me you don't know the whereabouts of your uh, your baby mama, or whatever it is, the, the relationship, wife, uh, common law, you don't know the whereabouts, okay, then you're going to be excluded. Give me as much information as you can. I'm going to ask you about your whereabouts. Where did you go? What did you drive? Did you stop? All of those things. I want that right from the beginning because now I'm going to go out and do my due diligence on what he tells me and try and back it up, and try and find, uh, you know, video cameras. Let's say he stopped at a Seven Eleven. I have him in the Seven Eleven at you know uh, nine o'clock, uh, nine fifty-five a.m., or whatever time he said he was in that area. Okay, he's not lying about that. But perhaps maybe there's something else that we could, you know, make a, a, a conflicting statement, or we can impeach some of what he told us. That's really, uh, you know, we want to either prove or disprove that he's involved. If he's not involved, fine. Let's move on to where the investigation is going to take us. And I hope that he's not involved because uh, this woman may have met with foul play. And then the children, if he's eventually arrested for whatever it is that's gone on with this woman, they're left without a father and a mother. I hope he's not involved in it. And I hope that we can have a safe return of this young lady, Madeline. I hope that we can. But as of now, it doesn't look like uh, things are going in a very good direction. It appears that there's foul play involved. They labeled it as suspicious and involuntary, as we all know. So again, uh, that's really the things that I'm thinking of, Billy. You and I are really on the same track. I guess it's just our investigative experience that, uh, you know, as soon as we heard this story, Bill, we were both, you know, we talked about it briefly, but we were both in the same, uh, you know, we're both in the same field.
0: Lorraine Lawrence, the police seem to be right on the correct lead on this case. Smart family working with police and letting them do their job. Uh, Lorraine, you right. You hit it right on the head. Uh, Dr. Pamela Chalette, Why wasn't he at work? I, I don't know that for sure. Uh, for what he does, he's in tech. Potentially he could work out of his house or he could work different hours than traditional, you know, nine to five or eight to four or something like that. I don't know the answer to that. That's one of the things surely the police would check out. Uh, But I don't know that for sure. So, um, sorry, I couldn't answer your question.
2: You know, Billy, one of the questions that I have, and this is coming to mind as we're talking about it, um, they seem to have had uh, not the everyday kind of relationship. They lived apart. They apparently weren't married. However, they had two children in common. But he says that he borrowed her van. After they went and dropped the children off, he said he borrowed her van for a couple hours. So it sounds like she didn't really give him access to the van, so to speak. So that's one of the things I'd want to know from the family. Now, he told me as an investigator, I'm doing the interview. He tells me I borrowed the van. She voluntarily gave it to me. I want to find out from the friends in the family. Had she done that before? Is that a usual thing? You know, that's one of the things that might be suspicious. And again, why were they not together? What, what was the reason for that? Was there some type of previous volatility? Did he have a temper? Was there domestic violence? Those are the the hard questions that need to be asked and answered.
0: You know, there's something conflicting also. It says 815, the dark blue 2014 Chrysler Town and Country minivan. Madeline drives, returns to her residence. Madeline doesn't show up for work at the Mayo Clinic, something Chief Williams says is very unlike her. At 10 a.m., Madeline's partner tells police he left the residence in her van, returned later in the day, and she was gone. Police say there's nothing to suggest she left on foot or in another vehicle, so that implies to me he had her van, but he's saying that he returned it. Uh, and then 10 a.m. to 1:30, investigators believe a van similar to Madeline's, and they can pinpoint through the van's computer that that where the van actually was through the computer and through the GPS. This is a late a later model, and you know I just wanted to uh, close everyone. This was on Adam Favell's Facebook page. So we didn't out him. He outed himself. If anybody has seen Madeline since 10 a.m. Friday, please contact the Winona PD, me, or any of her family members. I see lots of misinformation already being posted. Maddie was at home with me from 8, uh, 8 to 10.30, which is when I left to do errands. When I returned an hourish later, she was gone. Please help me find the mom to our two beautiful kids. So we didn't out Adam Prevelle. He outed himself. That was on his Facebook page.
2: I believe that Facebook post was taken down. And, uh, you know, again, if he's got nothing to hide, he puts that post up. Why did he take it down? You know, uh, again, there are a lot of people that may be uh, in the same camp that we are. And perhaps maybe, you know, not in law enforcement. They're... Maybe making some, uh, you know, contact with him or threats or whatever it is. But uh, he needs to uh, answer the hard questions, obviously. And uh, you know, if he's not involved in it, let's clear him. Let's let's move on to who could be involved in uh, the young lady's disappearance. You know.
0: Well, Phil, I think the investigation is is still in the fact finding stage and the evidentiary finding stage before they jump uh, on, you know, someone and 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 try to arrest somebody. Uh you know many times it's 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 more fruitful to leave the person out there and to watch them, maybe surveil them, see what they're doing, you know, rather than to you know jump jump the gun and make an arrest when you don't have the evidence, you know. And if again we know that if you don't have probable cause you can't arrest anybody. So but we're just looking at this and you know again the police didn't put his name out there, but it's clear. Everyone's asking about him. Is there a suspect? And of course they're not going to answer that. Well, my, the worst thing I hate, is there a person of interest? You know, they're always, they, they always refer to it as that.
2: You know, a lot of it is common sense, Billy. You don't have to be a genius to kind of figure this stuff out based on the stuff that we do know. You know, recently there was a case where uh, the husband had killed a wife and before he uh, committed the act, he had gone out the day before or, sometime around the time of the murder when he put some articles uh, from home depot uh, cleaning fluids bleach different things like that and uh, i think it was some type of a top anyway uh things like that will be critical to look into with regard to adam let's look at his uh, uh credit card records and see if he made any of those type purchases uh maybe it is wherever it is that he lives there's some type of video camera that'll show his whereabouts when he left when he came home Uh, perhaps, you know, maybe he's carrying some shovels or uh, some type of articles or instruments that could be aided in, you know, disposing of a human being. So uh, all of those things are going to be very, very important. And I am sure and certain that the investigators on this case are doing uh, all of the things that we're talking about. And like you said, Billy, this case is going on 10 to 11 days old now. Uh, They probably have covered a lot of the uh, stuff that we're talking about, And there's probably other things that aren't being reported publicly, like I said earlier, that they're on. And, you know, when you have these type of investigations, you go where the evidence takes you. You know, when you start out, you do some interviews, you start to figure out uh, all the things that I wrote down. And I know you probably wrote the same type of things down. You go through those checklists. And whatever the results are of those things that you do, that's what leads you and in the direction that you go in to try and find out the whereabouts and act exactly what happened to this young lady.
0: 100%. You know, Phil, we're going to do a quick little uh, commercial here. Joe Murray, attorney at law. Now, listen, guys, if you found
2: yourself in some type of a legal jam, uh, there's no better criminal defense attorney than Joe Murray. Joe Murray is a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He literally knows both sides of defense. And Joe was a boxer, so he can deliver that knockout punch. That might save you a lot of heartache. If you want to reach Joe, his website is jmurray-law.com, or his telephone number is 646-838-1702, or you can email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com. I have Joe's number in my phone. You should have his number in your phone, too. He's in the New York area. You can call Joe and he can give you some great advice, or you could hire him for whatever legal representation you may need.
0: You know, folks, um, this case is is a sad case because uh, we've covered cases like this throughout the year. And as I said, the longer they last, uh, the less really chance you have of a successful, uh, alive recovery of the person that's missing. You know, and I... I, I would I hope and pray that that Madeline is found alive or just shows up home at one, at some time. But experience tells us that in these cases, uh, the longer they go, the less successful w- will be in uh, having a happy ending to this. And uh, we hope and we pray. And again, I'll, I'll give you guys the um, the number to call. You can call Crime Stoppers Minnesota at one 222 Tips and uh, believe it, those tips are, are um, they're looked into and they help the police. And um, we really ho- hope there is a uh, successful and a happy ending, a happy conclusion to this investigation. Phil, final thoughts. Final thoughts, Billy. Uh, maybe
2: before we go, you could put up the picture of the vehicle because that might spark someone's interest that sees this uh podcast and perhaps they could maybe uh. Help the police out with some information, like you said, Billy. I echo your words. Let's hope and pray for the safe recovery of Madeline Kinsbury. She's a young, 26-year-old woman with two young children, five years old and two years old. And on this Easter Sunday, let's hope and pray that we do have a successful, uh, you know, finding uh, this woman, this young woman alive. Uh, let's pray for those two little children as well. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. I appreciate our subscribers, our friends, our fans. Without you guys, there would be no police off the cuff real crime stories. Again, Billy, Happy Easter to you too, my friend, as well.
0: Happy Easter. You know, Phil, I don't have it. Uh, I don't have the um, yeah. okay. The, the vehicle queued up, so I just wanted you can look at uh, a picture of of Madeline, and uh, again, she must be well loved and well respected in that community because. Um, 2,000 people showed up to help the police to search for her. So that, that really says a lot about this investigation. It Just to a repeat, help.
2: it's a 2014 Chrysler Town & Country van. It was navy blue. I know you had a picture of it up there earlier, Billy, but a 2014 Chrysler Town & Country, a navy blue, a dark blue, that is. If you're in the area and you had seen that car in that time period, uh, April, I'm sorry, March 31st to April 1st. Uh, call the number that Bill read out earlier.
0: Well, yet still today, thank you so much for the $5 super sticker. Very much appreciated, folks. All your, um, all you folks that subscribe to us, Patreon members, our YouTube channel members, we really appreciate all you guys. And that's what keeps, these off the cuff, real crime stories moving forward. Folks, we're going to try to stay with this case and give updates as we get more information. But as in a lot of these missing person cases, they do not move forward in any kind of speed. They they slowly develop and the police are probably working around the clock on this case. And that's all we can tell you. And we'll, as we said, we'll give you information as we get it. Uh, I just want to again, thank everyone for showing and I hope everyone had a happy Easter and uh, enjoyed their day with their family, friends, uh, this is Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. Have a great night and God bless. Stay safe, everyone. One episode
3: just enough.